This is the Hot Specs Hotcast with Hot Specs CEO Shane Skillen. Hey, folks! It's Shane Skillen, CEO of Hot Specs. Uh, today, I'm joined by uh, a buddy of mine, a new friend of mine, one of the more inspiring people that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting in my life, <laughs> Eric Solomon, who uh, who has an illustrious career that I'll tell you about in a minute. And what I really love about Eric is that he's he's held a few CMO ships at tech companies, which are obviously in the spotlight right now. I think a lot of other brands are looking for leadership and inspiration to figure out where that whole brand narrative is going. But I also like Eric because he's 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 one of the more human individuals that I met. He cares about people. He thinks brands serve purposes in the world beyond making profits. And uh, he's got you know just some really interesting point of views. That we'll get into. So, without further ado, Eric, welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, why don't you start by just telling us, give us, give us your lifeline, maybe in a couple minutes, about you know where you started and where you are now. You got it. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me, Shane. It's good to see you. Um, we're here. We are hunkered down during these weird times, and it's a it's a windy, stormy day here in New York. So I can't imagine spending time any differently. So thank you. Thanks for the kind words. Um, so, you know, the, I got a weird story. I really do. It's uh, the least linear marketing story that you've ever heard because I started off as an academic. Um, years and years and years ago, I um, entered a master's and PhD program in, in all things of artificial intelligence and machine learning. And this was back in 1999 before there was any application to that shit into the, you know, the actual world uh, that we live in today. But I actually got into advertising through academia. I ended up thinking I was going to be a professor. And so I got a, a postdoc position, which is what you do on your way to becoming a professor in all things in the psychology of advertising. It was just kind of luck. And through that research, I ended up interviewing people that owned ad agencies, including this guy named Jeff Goodby, which if people out there don't know who, what, you know, oh, yeah. know his name, oh, right? Yeah. Dude, it's a luminary. Legend. He wrote the words, got milk. Yeah. I mean, the dude's a, a luminary yeah. and he basically convinced me and pitched me that, you know, being a professor is fine and good, but I'll never get to live anywhere I want to live and never make any money. And instead, why don't I come and join him, work at the ad agency? Uh, so he, uh, he pitched me. Good pitch. Yeah, it was a, he got you. He's an ad man. Got yeah. advertising. I love it. So uh, I went and did cultural insights and strategy work in agencies. And then um, really through kind of a stroke of luck, I got uh, poached in to go over to YouTube to co-found and co-lead a creative team uh, there. This is back, uh, started those conversations in 2010, went over there in 2011 and helped uh, build up this team called The Zoo, which was a creative team at YouTube, uh, still there today, I think, uh, at Google and YouTube, that we worked with every major advertiser and politician and everybody else you can think of across the world on how to navigate digital video right when it was emerging. So, And one sec. Yeah. Let me just jump in there on Zoom. For, uh, on Zoo, uh, I, I once upon a time asked the head of marketing at Coke if there's anything I could help him with, and and he said it's simple. It's one thing. How can I get to work with Zoo? <laughs> and I, I said I said what Zoo? And he said, oh, it's this YouTube special forces team that is pretty much the hottest uh, creative shop in the world that uses Google Tech and some of the best creatives to just just you know change the world through advertising. 
And I looked into it, and unfortunately, uh, there are some very stringent requirements for those who do and do not get to work with Zoo. <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was I was unable to help him deliver that. I mean, we did a great job with marketing, if you think about it, right? Like, uh, if you create an air of exclusivity, kind of the American Express model, it makes your your service more valuable. So <laughs> we did our best to take a page out. Of, I love it. Take a page out of the American Express book, but yeah, we built up that team and did, did that work. And obviously, the changing dynamics. It was uh, about four and a half years I was there, um, and then, man, I was recruited uh, to move to New York in 2015 uh, to become the the global uh, the global head of brand for Spotify really the first person to ever build out the brand architecture for Spotify working directly with the CMO and all of the creative team there and I know you just had a chance to hear from some folks from Spotify it's an incredible organization and thinking about how to use data to tell really human stories and that was a lot of the work that I helped set up there. Um, I had kind of a happy to get into this, but had a crazy personal event and, uh, happened while I was at Spotify. That's kind of, kind of changed the direction. Well, why don't you tell us? You're pretty open. You're open about it. I know what it is. Yeah. Why, don't you, why don't you tell us? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely open about it. And it can be, you know, a little bit shocking for, for people that don't often take, you know, talk very openly about this, but in, you know, the spring of 2016. So about four years ago, uh, I got a call that really kind of changed my life. It was from the uh, he- the head of the police department in, in the town that I grew up in uh, telling me that uh, my father had been murdered. Um, and it was, um, you know, Jeez. pretty gruesome. He, he, not to get into the details and bring anybody down, but he died of two head wounds in his backyard. So really uh, pretty gruesome. And, you know, it, this happened in California. And uh, as much as you want to be... Uh, an incredibly strong-backed executive, especially starting a new job in New York City at a place like Spotify, you know, that kind of event really throws you. And, you know, I, I needed to be on both coasts to kind of take care of uh, business and really be on both coasts. Fortunately, Google, uh, being the incredible employer it is, uh, took me back as a director of uh, marketing, working on programmatic uh, kind of media and creative there for a while. And then really... Um, I had a, a, an amazing uh, opportunity when I was there. Uh, somebody called me from Instagram saying, listen, we're looking for a senior director, a global head of all of business marketing, basically the CMO of business marketing for Instagram. So they had kind of a CMO for the consumer side and needed a CMO for the business side to position Instagram to the advertising industry across the world. So my team was responsible for our activation at Can and everything else that we did through Instagram. Uh, and I was there for a little over a year. And then I actually, something I don't talk about often, uh, because, uh, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit touchy the way it kind of, um, ended, but I'll, I'll go ahead and be, you know, let's just put it all out on the table here. But I accepted a, a, a role in the summer of 2018 as the chief marketing officer for Bonobos, which is a, a clothing, a small, uh, men's clothing company, not so small owned by Walmart as one of their digital acquisitions. Uh, and I swear I was about a few months into that job uh, and I was on vacation. This was in uh, November of 2018 when I, I, I got a call from the chief police investigator on my dad's case saying uh, not only had my, my father been murdered, but due to lack of evidence, uh, I'll never know who did it. Uh, so I had to really come to terms with that kind of closure, lack of closure, and decided to walk away from everything. Uh, and, you know, you can imagine uh, Walmart and Bonobos not particularly thrilled with me. Uh, and, you know, obviously, uh, I had some other kind of options on the table that I put to the side. And since then, I've been focusing on the stuff that really matters to me, 
which is a lot of the stuff that we can talk about, which is how brands, teams, and individual leaders can build what I call their human operating system. And I've put a lot of work into building that business. And of course, here we are uh, managing through a crisis. And like everybody else, I'm struggling because uh, we all are. Okay, just before you get into that, because I did, I definitely want to get into that. So it, it looks like you, you used an unfortunate life event to change the direction of your career. And it must have been something you were thinking about already. Um, yeah, no, I think yeah, that's an, is that fair? That's an interesting insight. You know, it's like, it's hard to reflect back on it. I think, you know, if you look at kind of grief in general, it goes like this, right? Which is you go through a lot of stages of it. At first you uh, deny it and you work through it and you get pissed off and really angry. And I did all of those things. And then you kind of go into this bargaining stage where you're sort of like, well, if I just work harder, I can put the emotional stuff on the shelf. And I think I went through that phase for a while. Then you get to a stage where you accept it. And that's kind of where I was at with Bonobos. And then really the latest stage of grief is where I've been at now, which is you, you try to find meaning out of it. Me, and you know, for my father, we were really, really close. He was uh, incredibly important to me in my life. And to not find meaning of that, to figure out how I can take that experience and have it shape me and be open to that journey, I think would be foolish because it happened. Mm. You can't erase it. And that's part of who I am now. And I think, you know, having the authenticity is important to me. See, folks, that's why Eric uh, is the remarkable individual oh, that I was telling okay. you he was at the beginning of this. So so let's let's get so that's great. So uh, love what you're doing now. Um, you know, it's an interesting time. Um, I'm, you know, I'm actually recording this sitting in my car, uh, parked underneath a, uh, a cellular tower, so I could get a good, good, good audio recording. That's a hell of a nice car, of the- though, man. That's a nice looking vehicle. So, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's my my office, uh, kid free, spouse free, uh, and and allows me to focus. It's co- we're in the middle of the COVID crisis right now, so you know, it's it's. Uh, changed um the world very very quickly i don't think anybody really saw it coming the way that it did and uh you know it's a crisis of sorts and it's it's very interesting to see um how brands are reacting to this uh you know we we actually we work with hundreds of different clients and and you know they're, they're kind of going into three different camps uh you've got uh some that are staying status quo some that are going completely defensive. They're pausing research. They don't think it's representative of, of uh, what what the new what will happen after the crisis or through the crisis. And then, um, and these are some of the biggest brands in the world that I would say are the most sophisticated marketers are really going on the offense, and they're actually saying, "Okay, um, this is changing people. The way that we people buy things, the value structures people have, uh, mm-hmm. the needs that our products and brands can fulfill are changing." And we need to understand those now and after, and we need to be more nimble and more quick than ever, um, because if we don't do it, our competitors are going to do it. And we're still publicly traded companies, and we still have results to deliver. And and so they're 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 just taking advantage of this opportunity, as I'd say all of them did in two thousand and eight, too, yeah. where they just you know they use these they use these. Um, environments of change to actually go and find opportunity i mean you know there's that that word the the the, i think it's an oriental language word for uh danger is both uh opportunity and threat or crisis sorry it's both danger and yeah the word for crisis represents both danger and opportunity because it creates um opportunity professor so, shane in the about, house i love it yeah. learning something new. well i didn't i didn't create the uh <laughs> the word and I, I i think obama said it once upon a time um but so t- tell us what you think about this i mean you know brands in crisis 
Um, you know, it happens all the time. It doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, a, a global pandemic. It can be, you know, a North American auto manufacturer faced with Tesla. It can be BlackBerry faced with the iPhone. Like what, what, what of this, how do brands in, in your mind, cause you no know, doubt you've, you've now helped brands navigate through a few crises. Um, how does a brand do that? What advice might you have for a brand trying to get through a crisis? No, I think, you know, it's insightful to say, it's like, listen, like this, this COVID pandemic is, is a crisis that we really haven't necessarily seen on this kind of scale because, you know, it's, it's entire global discourse where everybody is on the same page about what's going on and entire supply chains are, are changing to make parts for ventilators. And, you know, it's, it's different, but you're right. The inside of being like, this isn't the first and it certainly won't be the last time a brand has to manage through a crisis. And I think, you know, what you're seeing is the same kind of behaviors that you always see, except just amplified and turned up to 11 because, you know, as you say, like everybody's, you know, tuning into the media and seeing what's going on. And we've got, you know, in the U S a president who, you know, say what you want to, isn't really stepping up to lead. Uh, and, you know, we're feeling that lack of leadership in a lot of ways, again, not to be political about it, just there isn't that, le- that leadership that's there right now. So I think, you know, I, what you're seeing from brands is exactly right. One, which is this idea of, um, I think, pausing everything or freaking out and saying, well, paralyzed a little bit. And I think that happens for a couple of reasons. Um, primarily, it happens because brands realize that they they haven't really done the work or thought of the work that it takes to get the understanding of who they are, what they stand for, what their values, mission, personality is. And so they've just kind of been coasting a little bit. And so now they're having to take a step back and be like, well, what is our operating system? How do we work? And what does that mean for a time of crisis? And instead, what you're seeing is a lot of brands just throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall and again, you've got to forgive them a little bit. They don't know what they're doing, but you know, you're seeing a lot of stuff that just seems a little bit like taking swings, taking swings and trying stuff. Mm. And it doesn't seem particularly mm. strategic. Um, and you know, I get it. People are trying to move fast and turn around, but if some of that work had been done to really understand their operating systems and how they work before, um, you know, I think they'd find themselves in a different place. And you are seeing some examples of brands, I think, that are doing better jobs than others. Um, you know, it's tough. Uh, for brick and mortar retail, you know, all you're seeing from them right now is promotion upon promotion upon promotion. Everything's on sale all the time. Mm-hmm. You hardly blame them. Mm-hmm. You can hardly blame them. But I think there will be two major shifts coming out of this. One is any brand that hasn't really figured out their digital ecosystem or their way to e-commerce or their way to capitalize on basically anything that isn't going into store or going into a person to person thing is going to have to rethink their entire way of operating. That's the first thing. A second one. And, you know, I say this with hope, but also with some amount of certainty is I think we're going to be seeing a return to really understanding brand and understanding you know, brand marketing in the biggest possible way, which is the foundational part of marketing, which is understanding all of those parts of an operating system that make an organization work. And I think, you know, that's what we're going to see coming out of this, uh, that and a lot of swirl. And are you, are you, I mean, I get, I get excited. I get jazzed about the idea of, you know, there's, I, I haven't heard of anybody saying there's no recession coming out of this. And you even hear the depression word, which is um, terrifying, I'm sure. Um, 
but it, it, what what do you think the role of brands is? I mean, if you think that the the consumer is the economic engine that keeps the world economy going, don't 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 marketers and brand leaders have a job to do to you know make great ads, get people to want to travel again? You talked about your friend that's at Google right now in the travel vertical. Yeah, they got to get people traveling again. I mean, we've got airline clients, we've got restaurant clients. Uh, I think the brands and ads and media plans. Do they have that job to do? Is that is that fair to ask that of brands to say, hey, once the new normal sets in, or once this crisis is over, do the is it the brands that are gonna gonna actually get the world going again? I you know I think it's a good question, and you know I, I to some extent we don't know, and the reason that we don't know at at this point in time is that I think our natural reaction as marketers and as human beings is to, we're faced with a crisis and we immediately jump to action. We start doing things, doing things, producing things. And I think it's a way of saying, I just wrote about this, but I think it's a way of saying, well, look, I'm doing something. I can check that off my list. And really in these early stages, we're still, as you say, like, you know, assuming that we get this uh, virus under control, it's going to be a very long time before there's a vaccine and it's going to be a very long time before the economy um, is in a shape. You know, I think the, the estimates of 12 to 18 months seem most realistic to me before we see some. Say more about that. Yeah. You know, say, so 12 to 18 months is your prediction for, yeah, I think so. so for what, for what, for, for back to no- normalcy? No, I don't think, I don't think there is a back to normalcy. I don't think there's a return to the way things were. I think that we're not going to see the new world taking shape for 12 to 18 months. I think it's going to be an evolution for a while of how we actually get there. And in this early stage, my urge is for people to maybe take a minute to, especially brands, to take a minute to stop just producing things and take a little bit of time to understand that this is not business as usual. It's far from business as usual. And maybe just taking a step back in a few days even just to think about what the right direction might be instead of just frenetically moving and paddling because people are starting to see it. Um, and I, I just don't think that that's going to be a healthy way for brands to react right now. So what's their role? Um, you know, it's kind of like their role that there always is. Brands are meant to entertain, to inform, or to provide, you know, um, to provide, uh, you know, something useful in the world. And mm-hmm. that is... The say role. the second one again, entertain, entertain inter- it, it, I'd say entertain, inform, or provide utility. Inform, okay, yeah. inform. So, okay. you know, it's like depending right. on what kind of brand you are, those are the essential role of brands. Do they make us laugh and smile? Do they give me some information that's useful for my life? Or do they, best of all, provide some utility for me so that my life is easier or less frictionless? And if you're, ideally, you do all three of those things, but that hasn't changed. So it's a matter of like, you know, a lot of the communications I'm seeing, again, I don't want to fault any brand because it, it's a hard time, but a lot of the communications are like, here's what we're doing as a brand, as if they've been having a conversation with me instead of here's what I'm going to do to make your life easier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have seen like Delta has been interesting, right? Um, do you fly Delta? Do you, are you a Delta? Brand? No, Air Can Air. Canada. That makes sense, and I don't play anything. I don't play anything anymore. For the right, right. Future. None of us. But you know, yeah. Delta, right? Delta has got a great product out in the market, and they, you know, they have all these people with tons of status. They've sent emails out being like, 
for 2021, we're rolling over your entire status, wherever you're at. You don't even have mm-hmm. to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, your credit is good. If you have anything booked, it's going to be good for two years. And not what they're doing is they're not saying like, we care, you know, yeah, they care about us. Yeah, they're doing that. But they're saying, here's what we're going to do for you as a consumer. And I think more brands should be doing that. The role is to, to relieve anxiety and to make people feel comfortable and give them safety in a, in a predictable world. Yeah, Air Canada also... Uh did the same thing. In fact, they took my super elite million miler stylus and is letting me gift it to my wife for next year. Do you have an extra one of those? Um, Cause I could use uh, some more status. One, one special friend only. And I think, I think you need, I don't know if you need to share a bedroom or a, or a household. Uh, I didn't say any special friend, but um, interesting move that they did because I can see what they're looking down the business model of, wow, you know, people are not going to be flying. We're going to have a lot of excess capacity on our planes. These are our best customers. We got to get them back in the air soon. And uh, I think that was one of the best reactions that I saw. I'd also say our banks um, have been fantastic as well. Mm. Uh, Royal Bank in particular, um, just the messaging that they've come out with very quickly, ease people's worries, mortgage deferrals, um, help on credit cards, talking to financial advisors. Uh, they've just done a really good reactive job having ultimate empathy to their their customers and have come out and said, look, we hear you. We understand you're scared right now. This this situation is about health and money. Um, two things right on the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We're on the money side of things. Stay safe and we can help you out there. Um, and I want to come back to your brand operating system because if you think about it, it's, it's, it's a brilliant metaphor and we sometimes use it at hot specs as well. But an operating system is you know, it, it processes things. It takes inputs, runs it through a set of, a set of algorithms to give you outputs uh, in a systematic, efficient way. Like, how do you think about it? Like, like when you think about an operating system, like, just tell us more about what that looks like. Because I know you're, you're, you're very good at helping a lot of brands and CMOs understand what their operating system should be and learning how to deploy it. So just like, tell us more about what a what an Eric Solomon brand operating system might look like and how it works. Happy to do that. No, I mean, um, as you said, it's one of the passion things that I, I get and I'm grateful enough to have the opportunity to do with a lot of different brands. But, you know, the way that I think about it is even if you simplify an operating system even more in technology, an operating system, I just think of as it's something relatively simple that runs in the background that enables more complex tasks to happen. Um, and if you just think very, very simply, that's what an operating, the role of iOS or Android or any of those operating systems is. Um, at the end of the day, when I think about a human operating system or brand operating system, it is that thing, that simple thing that provides a clarity of purpose that helps guide everything an organization does from internal stuff to external stuff. So I don't view building an operating system as necessarily a marketing or communication challenge. It's everything that orchestrates all aspects of the business and positions it for growth and positions it for opportunity. So, you know, when you build an operating system correctly, it does everything from what you're going to do from internal communications and HR and hiring to what you're doing, to messaging and positioning, to the way that you communicate out in the world, to your thinking about partnerships, to thought leadership, the whole package, because that's our job as marketers. It's not just about making something and showing it out in the world. It's about the whole funnel. And that funnel goes internally. Mm. I don't believe you can even build a brand externally until you build one internally. So the operating system looks a lot like, you know, and it's not, it's not necessarily original thinking. A lot of people from Simon Sinek on have talked about figuring out your why before the what and the how. 
I think that the the issue with some of Sinek's thinking is that, you know, it kind of stops at the why and doesn't say what actually goes into the components of why. How do you actually build that circle in the right way? And so what I do is drill down a little bit that and say what it really takes is at the heart of every brand or team or person, you've got the essence of who you are, what it is that you stand for. And, you know, if you just think about a brand like Nike, that's not their external line of just do it, but it's the thing that they have on their wall inside of the building that says, if you have a body, you're an athlete. It's that internal mantra Mm. that never sees the light of day externally, but is the essence of who that brand is. That is the essence of who Nike is. Uh, for Starbucks, and that would, would that be its promise? Would that be its no, promise? It's, no, no, no. That wouldn't call it. A promise, I wouldn't. No? I wouldn't. I'd say you know, really, what that is is the internal rally cry, the mantra, the mantra okay. to remember. The mantra. It, you okay. know, it's like a mantra. And like for Starbucks, they came up with one that you never heard externally. Uh, they call themselves the third place, which is this idea of it's not the home, it's not the office, it's the third place that you go to like have a meeting or to enjoy. And it worked really well for them for many, many years and, you know, brilliant resulted into meet me at Starbucks as an external line. But the whole idea is that's the essence from there. You know, I really think the essence is the thing that's most internal, the layer out of the thing that's like a little less internal is that thing about vision, which is, I believe that it's not a mission. It's a vision, which is future focused. If you could aspire to anything as a brand and you've made your legacy in the world, what would you aspire to? It's the thing that's not achievable. It's the thing of, you know, like it's Google's, uh, you know, um, you know, even though they use it as a mission, it's the idea of organizing all the world's information. That's not achievable. Mm-hmm. You could do a pretty good job of doing it. It's a BHAG. It's it's so far out of there. That, again, is not something you're going to say externally. It's pretty internal. More external around that is a mission. And that's really like the here and now, what you're focused to do right now. I'm on the board of our nonprofit right now. The board of our nonprofit, our mission is to transform grieving children's lives through experiences that will change their lives forever. It's a mission. What we're going to do is for them. It's, exactly. It's a mission. You might say that on your website. You might have it more externally, but it mm-hmm. also guides you internally. And then you start to get into the things that you start to see externally, your positioning. What is that thing that you're going to do that's going to not necessarily differentiate you, but that's unique and true to your brand? So that's your general positioning that you can use to communicate with your different audiences and you can do messaging off of that. And then, of course, you've got things Mm -hmm. like like a human being. You've got your values and your personality. So that's really, you know, the values are what are those things that's going to guide you in times of crisis and times of peace? Um, you know, when you think about it, like if you've got a value in, in your system of diversity, how are you making sure you're communicating to diverse audiences during times of crisis or times of peace? If it's optimism, how do you make sure that you're using the words hope a lot? Um, and then it's thinking about personality, which is the tone of voice and the way that you communicate. Because even at times like this, like does every brand need to be super serious? It's a question, right? Mm. Does every brand need to say, we know what you're going through right now? Or is there a role for any brand that's like, this fucking sucks, but here's some fun things that you could do to alleviate Mm. the stress that you're going through? And it's just a question. So that to me, once you've got all of those pieces together, that is your operating system. And it can sit on a page and guide all of your activities across everything you do. I love it. And and who owns that? Like is is it the agency that brings that in or is it the CMO is a CEO in the mix here somewhere? Like who, who buys 
sets up and deploys that operating I system think, at the end of the day is, I, is held accountable. I think it's got to come from a CEO. Um, you know, a CEO. I do. Um, I, I think that, and I think, yeah, and I think it's important to have, you know, buy-in from other members of the C-suite, but um, often so many times, especially when you're talking about the vision and mission, and all that stuff that comes from a founder. It really does. It trickles down mm-hmm. from a founder or from founding members. And if they're not bought in on the mix that this is important work to do and it's work that's transformational in their business, then it doesn't matter if your marketing guy or your HR guy or woman uh, is you know, into it, right? It's got to be mm-hmm. from a founder or from somebody high up to say, you know what, this is important. I'm going to put a stick in the ground for this is you know, what matters to me. I love it. And, 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 and I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if it's a, if it's brand, the minute brand enters that equation, um, if it's a brand operating system, but it sounds like it's more than that. It's more of an organizational operating system. I call it a human operating system. A human operating system. Okay. I love it. I think that that really imbues it with the qualities that I want it to have. So the CMO is going to make extensive use of that. They're going to choose who they partner with, uh, how agencies bring work to life, what media they're going to buy. Um, In a lot of cases, CMOs or chief growth officers are actually uh, directing how products and services are getting created and developed. Um, What's going on with CMOs these days? I know know you talk to a lot of them. Um, I certainly know that uh, some of the some of the best CMOs and I've spoken to you recently are, they're not saying operating system necessary, but they're saying, look, like the brand, our brand is our way forward. It's, it's giving us a framework to make decisions against that are going to allow us to do things in a coherent way through this crisis, after the crisis to all our stakeholder audiences, whether it be investors, internal team members, or the external current customers or non-customers. So what, what are you hearing from CMOs these days about, you know, um, you know, what's going on now. And, and, and I mean, you, you probably have a good point of view on, you know, how that, how the role of the CMO and what that, what that job description is going to look like. And just, you know, one more note on that. We've had a lot of our clients get rid of that position altogether and just move to something called the chief growth officer. And when you ask why that happens, the CEOs, uh, they say things like, I need one throat to choke. I was having trouble mm-hmm. giving a CMO the idea to build a big, beautiful brand, but then the head of sales to sell. So I just wanted to put that together. And so like, what's, what's your, I guess, what's your forecast for the CMO through the, like CMO through the crisis? What's the great CMO, the winning CMO going to do? And what is CMO sort of 2025 look like? No, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, at least in the, in the time that I've been chatting with, you know, really probably at this point, you know, 40 to 50 or 60 different CMOs over the, uh, over the last year, um, you know, it's hard to find a happy one. Uh, it was it's hard to find a happy one leading up to this, primarily because you know, and I'm not the first to say this. I won't be the last, but you know, the role is so freaking nebulous and big, and it could mean a billion different things depending on what organization you're in. As you say, you're owning a PNL, you're you're maybe owning a technology budget, you're best friends with the CFO, you're reporting into the CEO, you're in charge of marketing, you're in charge of brand. It's it's all over the place. Um, it's interesting that, you know, the, the conversations recently, even if you listen to kind of Jim Stangle's podcast or other senior marketers podcasts is great podcast, great best, podcast. best podcast on the internet. Sorry, yeah. sorry. CMO podcast, Jim Stangle, Props to it, Jim. the content is, just, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Jim, if you're listening, I'm happy to be a guest anytime. Just let me know. <laughs> um, but I think you need to be a sitting CMO. That's right. He, uh, 
<laughs> who knows? Maybe we'll break his whole model. But yeah, he, uh, you know, it just, it's been interesting to hear this kind of shift, you know, for years and years, for the last several years, it seems like it's all been about like, we need a data-driven performance acquisition base, somebody that's going to be in the spreadsheet, rolling up the sleeves. And that's true. Like, you know, you got to, if you're going to be a CMO at all, you need to be comfortable with data and that's going to be true forever. And it's always going to have to be. But Finally hearing people talk again about this pivot back towards brand building and doing this more foundational work. I've been hearing that a lot too. Um, you know, and I think part of why I like the idea of a human operating system even more is it's not just about building the brand, right? It's about building all the infrastructure internally too, to say, how are we going to operate as an HR department? How are we going to operate as a product organization? So it's more encompassing than that. But I, I do think that, you know, I, I think, you know, it's hard to say 2025, given at the pace that the world changes these days, but I think we're going to find more people that uh, sit in that role that are either, you know, maybe they'll, they'll even be an explosion of chief brand officers or chief storytellers or people who are. And who do they report to? Who do they report to? Do they, are they up into the CMO or are they up into the CEO? And is like, what's that structure look like? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, I don't, you know, it's a question of will there be a singular, singular CMO role or is it possible to your point of, will a lot of those roles be, you know, anything that's more CMO driven, be very profit focused. So it's moved into the chief growth or CRO, chief revenue officer, chief growth officer. And then you've got maybe people, you know, that are focused on doing that, you know, core narrative storytelling brand work that is harder to measure and harder to tie back to direct revenue. So that's been a, such a big issue with the marketing departments, right? Is you know, it's very easy and it's easy to be incentivized as a marketer by doing the activity that you can measure so that you're able to go back to your CEO or your CRO and be like, look, I, I put this money in and this is the ROI I got out. Brand marketers have always had a hell of a time trying to do that because the, the, the delta between what you can do and what you can measure and how you can attribute it's been gone. So what if we lift those restrictions? There's a chief growth officer, chief revenue officers in charge of moving the needle in terms of finances, but then you've you really empower that chief storyteller to do that work that needs to be done where they sit. I don't know. Maybe I'm dreaming and maybe this is just my new world order, <laughs> but I, I love that idea of that happening. It's interesting. Uh, you know, our friends at Amazon, um, I, I was in a debate at, a, at an offsite we had a few months ago with, with a very senior person at Amazon about, you know, do, do you really need, brands anymore i mean you've got we were skiing together and so he's got north face mitts and um you go on amazon there's lots of other mitts that aren't branded north face so north north face to your point is providing utility and it's a mental shortcut to say these are warm but what if what if there's no name mitts sitting beside north face for half price but with you know a hundred thousand five-star amazon reviews do you do you need do, are brands going to play as as vital a role in in this Amazon uh, review driven world that we're very very quickly moving to and now even an accelerated pace because of what's going on with the COVID crisis? I think people that weren't as Amazoning as they were are much more so now, and I think it's we can see certainly in the grocery category it's just shifting how that whole category is bought. And you know the Amazon reviews um, are are a currency. We we at Hot Sucks, we actually launched a uh, a hair gel uh, last year just to learn how that whole ecosystem worked and how to do advertising properly on the Amazon platform. And, 
and how to build brand. And, and we learned that that, that, that rating on Amazon is, is, oh, is God. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is all that matters. So do we, do you think we need brands, uh, in this Amazon world where you, you can actually just, you know, Amazon's going to know what you want before you know it. You need a pair of mitts. <laughs> um, you type in mitts. It knows what mitts your friends bought. It knows what other stuff you've bought and how you've rated yeah. it. Probably knows you better than you know yourself. Uh, arguably Alexa has been listening to a lot of conversations in your house that, um, you know, have, have given another data point on that. Like what, what is going to be the role of brand in this Amazon world? Yeah. You know, like you're, you're raising an argument. People have been talking about this for a long time. Professor Scott Galloway from NYU has got tons of videos talking about the death of brand and Byron Sharp and, and those guys written, you know, how grand, how brands grow showing like, you know, brand doesn't really matter. All you care about is light buyers of the category that just buy you infrequently. And there's no such thing of loyalty. Listen, all that stuff's true, but it's true. Primarily there's a couple of factors, right? One, um, Amazon reviews are going to be super hard to look at when we're moving towards voice searching, voice search for everything. Mm. And so the, you know, 20% of all searches right now for, for utility items are voice searches. And so you don't get to see anything on the digital shelf when there's a voice. So the question gets more complicated with really what's the role of brand and voice. And I have no fucking idea um, when it comes to that. The reality though, is that you're talking about, well, let me, let me, yeah. I, I, like, let me think. So, so, so Amazon, I will always have Amazon's right. choice for Shane. That's right. Amazon's choice for Eric. That's right. <laughs> Look, We're here's fine. Amazon's choice. Alexa, what Mitch should I get? Well, Shane, yeah. here's Amazon's choice. And since I've gotten that right for you the last 99 out of 100 times, do you really want to mess around with me? And my answer is probably nope. yes, Alexa. Yeah. You just you just tell me what I need when I well. And my personal my personal view on that is like if you want to fuck with Beth Jeff Bezos, good luck. I think he wins. <laughs> I think you know I'm with I'm yeah, with Scott Galloway on that one for for a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, like I I wouldn't want to compete with that guy. Um, and I think you know anybody trying to is in a losing battle. Um, so you know, like Amazon's a special case, but you know where you where you start to really hone in is it starts to be on like low interest. items items. Like, I don't care, you know, if you're going to give me some really good two-ply two toilet paper, I don't care what brand it is. <laughs> and if you're talking about, you know, some gloves and they keep me warm, I probably don't care. But try to pull me away from my Nikes. Try to pull me away mm. from high interest items. Uh, try to sell me cars, try to, cars, cars Apple yeah. laptops. Yeah. The list goes on and on um, where brands yeah. still very much matters. Like Glossier, do they make better do they make better cosmetics than anybody else? Or do they just have a cooler brand um, to them? Yeah. Uh, why the hell is Spotify rocket shipping past Apple, Amazon, and Google? Is it because it's a better UI? Why is it? Yeah. Because they have a cool fucking brand. And they have a lot of momentum behind their brand. Uh, you know, it goes back to like, you know, why on earth do people care about anything? You know, why do people say, oh, I'm going to Spotify it? Um, you know, Google is a great search engine, but Google is also a fucking fantastic brand. People, you know, it's part of our vernacular, right? Like I'm going to Google it like that, you know, so does brand matter? Yeah, absolutely. It always has. It always will in cases where it's low interest. When you're talking about batteries, has it ever mattered? Has brand ever mattered when it comes to batteries or, you know, is Duracell, you know, yeah. it's that stuff that's just low interest and, you know, who cares so long as it does the job. So yeah, brand's not going to matter for that. It's going to increasingly not matter. And for the stuff that has a brand attached to it, like most important brands out there, Patagonia, et cetera, et cetera, brand's going to matter. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, your, your Google thing just keyed me to a memory. Once upon a time at the TED main conference, I, I saw Sergey Brin in the espresso line. I asked him if I could buy him a coffee. If, and he said, well, the coffees are free. And I said, fine, can I get you a coffee? And I'll tell you an idea how to improve your Google search algorithm. And uh, I won't get into what I said, but he did actually end up thinking it was a good idea. And he said, what can I, what can I do for you? And I said, I just want to know what keeps you, Sergey Brin, up at night. And uh, interesting, given the time, he he said it's easy. It's one thing. It's China. Yeah. And he said China is what keeps Sergey Brin up at night. And he's like, yeah. He's like Shane. Here's what happens. Uh, every morning at 9 a.m., we get bombarded by over 100,000 server hits, uh, originating out of China on our servers, trying to hack us. And at 5 p.m., they stop. And he said, Do you know why that is? And I said, uh, I don't. He's like. Well, why do you think? And I'm like, because the government's doing it. He's like, that's right, Shane. Every day, the Chinese government is trying to hack into our infrastructure at Google to take our stuff and to actually figure out how to work with it. Wow. And, you know, hats off to Google. I think that the infrastructure that they've provided to the world in terms of maps and search and telecommunications. And I mean, like, what do you think about how Google is leaping to help uh, with this COVID crisis right now? Just to bring it back to that. I mean, they're they're, they've got this new uh, geo tracking thing where they're actually showing the fall in different uh, types of activities. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's an important data source is to say how well are different like geographies globally uh, staying staying away from each other and flattening the curve. Like, do you think Google's doing a good job with that? Yeah. Well, first of all, that's a fucking awesome story because uh, he doesn't uh, these days give his time, Sergey, to to that many people. So congrats on that. Uh, I had a chance to run across. <laughs> Him when I was there, it was primarily I was doing some consulting work, delivering him his feedback from his team uh, at Google X. He led his team, so that was not my favorite meeting I've ever had. Uh, tell you about that some other time, but like uh, oh, I've forgotten the question now. What am I supposed to be talking about? <laughs> How's Google doing? Oh, yeah. How are the tech companies? What's the role that play of these tech companies through this? I mean, Professor Scott Galloway, I've got a lot of time for him too, and he. Uh, I mean, I listen to him whenever I can, riding riding my road bike up a massive hill. So I'm. Dying at 170, uh, zone five in Peloton, as Peloton would say, it, listening to Scott and Kara Swisher, he he thinks that that they're going to use this COVID crisis to almost get a pass on some of the stuff that you know might have freaked populations out around privacy. Because now I, I can't see us managing this COVID situation without a a serious breach of what's you know understood to be. Uh, a standard of privacy in the Western world, but you look at Asia. I mean, yeah. they got this thing under control because they're using using uh, digital technology, and I'll call it uh, complete removal of privacy to control it. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, there there's no you know to some extent. It's just funny because there's there's no better time to be a place like Google or Facebook or Instagram or like. Right now, they've been waiting. It sounds shitty to say this, but they've been waiting for a moment like this, where everybody's homebound, uh, you know, needing uh, needing digital services for everything. Uh, you know, look at the rise of Zoom. Uh, I mean, yeah. I I couldn't. You know, right now, I was telling you, I have a sprained ankle. I couldn't get by without YouTube videos right now uh, because I had to look up, you know, sprained ankle exercise videos. Because, you know, what the hell else am I going to do? I can't go to a gym. So, you know, it's like they're primed for this. Um, I think Google has been, uh, you know, since say whatever you want to about Google, it's not a perfect place by any means. But like, you know, the, as one of my favorite employers by far, they, uh, you know, they're giving free Wi-Fi to all of the state of California. 
they're, you know, again, if it goes back to providing utility and taking action and doing something that's meaningful, I know Facebook's doing a lot with small businesses right now. And I think, you know, they're in a perfect position to figure out like, how do we truly help people that are impacted by this? And, you know, they, they're, they're in a good position to do that because of course their business isn't hurting to, you know, yeah, people are cutting back a little bit, but, you know, to the extent that people are still spending any money on digital advertising, which is still a lot of people, where are they going? Google and Facebook. We're probably going to see some of the other players like Twitter and Snapchat get hurt a little bit by this because those line items might be cut by marketing budgets. But Google and Facebook are going to be fine. They're going to come out of this looking great. Um, they're probably they're really good places to be if you're an if you're employed right now. Don't leave because <laughs> like it's you know this is a great time to be there. Uh, you know they're taking care of their employees. I got a lot of friends that are there. Yeah, it's chaos and they don't know what to do. And I'm getting five Think with Google articles a minute because they're trying to pump out content like everybody else. But they're mm -hmm. doing actual things to help people in the world because they have the means and the financial you know support to be able to do that. I feel bad for companies that aren't getting that kind of credit because they can't do it because they don't have the means to provide income or, you know, internet to, uh, you know, all of the state of California with a hundred thousand mm. Wi-Fi spots. So I think it's relatively easy for, for uh, those companies to do it. And at least they're taking action. I think they could probably be doing more. Cool. Okay. Let's just, let's just close. I mean, this has been fantastic. Let's just close on some advice you might have for a young marketer, call it a 23 year old just coming out of school uh, you know, wants to, you say a lot of CMOs aren't, uh, aren't happy necessarily right now, but I assure you these 23 year olds still aspire to the CMO ships. What, what maybe two or three core pieces of advice, uh, might you give them so that they could, you know, use that as almost their operating system to, to guide their career such that they might reach a CMO ship like you did three on three separate occasions, three of the coolest, hottest brands in the world. You know, I, I think, it, you know, it's a good question. Um, thanks again for a great conversation today. It's been awesome, Shane. But like, I feel like, uh, you know, as silly as it sounds, uh, it's so easy, especially when you're young to be focused on the title or rising up the corporate ladder and saying, well, first I'm going to be a director of marketing and then a VP of marketing, and then I'll be a SVP of marketing and then I'll be a CMO. And you stop thinking about the fundamental question, which is how do you want to live life? What is the sort of life you want to live? And even when you're in your twenties, like it's vastly different. I'm in my forties now, the way that I want to live life looks differently now than it does when I was in my twenties, of course. But if I had taken more time in my twenties to say, what do I want my days to look like? Where do I want to be spending my time? Where do I want to have impact for myself and for other people? And letting that guide my decisions as a marketer as a, or as an employee, I would have been better served than what I did, which is to chase the, chase the title and chase the dollar. And yeah, it looks you know nice from the outside, but I can't say that that leads to internal happiness. So again, you got to be responsible with your financial stuff. You know, if you've got a family to feed and, you know, like me, you didn't come from a rich background, you got to make money and you got to make the income, of course. But thinking about how you want to spend not the next five years, but tomorrow, writing down what do you want your day to look like? What do you want your week to look like? I think that's the best advice I can give and understand that that's not written in stone. It's just a 
story you're telling yourself. So, but take the time to do that. Cause I think you might say like that path is going to take me to be a CMO, but it might say that path is going to take me in an entirely new direction. Maybe I want to be in HR. Maybe I want to be in product. Maybe I want to be somewhere else. And you can't do that without doing a little reflection about how it is you want to be spending your time and what makes you happy right now. That's deep. I love that. So, so the people that do decide they do want to be a CMO, no matter what they, they want to go that path. What do they do? Do they do they suck up to the CEO? Do they do they start a blog? Do they do they uh, what do they read? What do they watch? Like what do they and remember these are the people that are like, this is my calling. I, I yeah. want to do this. And so I need to on and create these routines in my operating system to do. So like what are they reading? What are they doing? Uh, who, who are they following? Yeah, like what is that? look like yeah. like how did you because you rose up and got these positions I, you know, there must be some thematic yeah i don't think it's i don't think it is a lot of books and i don't think it's about getting an mba you know i you know i realize that my fortune's been driven by the fact you know it's like i look great on paper i've got a phd and i've worked at all these places not everybody's got that and i'm really grateful for that but it's this idea of picking five to ten diverse set of cmos that you really jibe with and you really think they're doing a cool job either because of their brand because of those people or because of who they are i mean even looking at people like mark pritchard from png and you know jeff jones who was at target as a cmo and is now the ceo of hr block you know really looking at people there are some incredible women in this space emily culp is one that i've kept my on she was the cmo of ken love emily she's great love Emily. really cool yeah. human being really wonderful joy howard who was the CMO of Sonos and is now at yeah. DoorDash, I think. Amazing. Or no, Dashlane. Dashlane. Uh, Dash yeah. Uh, C, uh, I heard her on, yeah. uh, on, on Jim's podcast. She's Amazing. She's one. wonderful. And she works for Patagonia. She's been with some cool brands. There's um, Seth Farbman, who was the CMO of The Gap, and then my CMO when I was at Spotify, who's now uh, taking some time to teach at Yale. And just identify those people. There's millions of them, and they're on. I think podcasts are you know, they're doing an incredible job. There's, uh, you know, there's uh, the Marketing Leaders podcast, which I really like, the CMO, Jim Stengel CMO podcast. Um, I do one with my colleague, Jay Rendon at Novio uh, called Afternoon Delight. Uh, again, a smaller, not as good, but it's interesting. You know, it, we have a different perspective. And I think really looking for those people that you want to emulate. Uh, Musa Tariq is another one that's just you know, mm. been blowing up. Check out Nadine Dietz, who does CMO moves with uh, Adweek. Mm. Uh, start, yeah, I love her. I'd say yeah. start there. If you start with those names and start digging, you'll find some people that's to follow great. and really get into. And I think you can't lose. Uh, you just got to figure out where the advice is and, and be true to yourself. I love it. I love it. Eric, this has been fantastic in these interesting times. Um, I, I just cannot believe that I'm just looking at a, at a cell tower right now to be able to do this podcast with you while you're in New York, which is the current epicenter of the whole situation right now. Brooklyn, baby. But I hear it's getting better. Yeah, and we, we will get through it. And, um, you know, the brands, it's good insight. The brands that have the operating systems will be the ones that come out on top at the end of it. And, uh, you know, I just deeply appreciate your perspective that you gave to any any young marketers or mid-level marketers, even senior marketers that are looking to uh, achieve similar uh, things that you have achieved yourself. So I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. You got it. Thank you so much for having me on and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hotspecs Hotcast. Please check back for future episodes and insights at hotspecs.com slash hotcast.